All right, it's great to have him back. Uh, a little catch-up. It's been a while. He is Lee Zeldin. He is the congressman uh, over the 1st uh, Congressional uh, District. Sir, always great to have you. You know that. It's always good to be with you. Good morning. Good to have you here on a Friday. Uh, so I, I guess we can do an overall assessment. The region, 1st District, numbers uh, here on the island are very good COVID-wise. Uh, across the state, we've seen that everything is on the decline as compared to some of the other stuff around the country. It's tough. Uh, but overall, I think people have adhered and listened and masks and, you know, distancing and phase four. Congressman, uh, as of Wednesday, you got malls opening up today. You know, little by little, we're kind of getting back. People hopefully being safe out there. Give me the overall Lee Zeldin assessment right now. I'll tell you what, it's a lot uh, along the lines of your observations. I mean, the numbers are all going in the right direction. They've been going in the, the right direction for a long time. You and I having a conversation the second week of April is very different than you and I having a conversation the second week of July. Uh, and it's been a, a few months now, and you know, for that small business owner, say that gym owner, for example, who may not even be open yet, uh, the struggles are, are still continuing. Um, for for some people, uh, they they work through all of it. Uh, their their businesses were an essential business. Uh, they were frontline workers doing yeoman's work in March and April and May. And now, as you pointed out, going into phase four uh, two days ago here on Long Island, uh, hopefully we can continue this uh, trajectory, especially when you're at phase four of four phases. Uh, then you start looking at that finishing line uh, and you know what else do we uh, have in front of us and, and how do we overcome those obstacles because uh, you have schools scheduled to open here right, uh, right right around Labor Day and hopefully we're in a position where kids are able to go back to school for the start of the academic year that hopefully is where this is heading. Let me get you a take on that because I made a co- couple of comments yesterday, Governor Cuomo's briefing from the other day regarding schools and a wait-and-see approach. What is it, August 1st through the 7th? You know, we'll give you a final decision. Give me a plan, uh, please, each district by the 31st. And I look at the numbers, Congressman, I, I'm saying to myself, you know, there's so much planning that has to be in play here. I like the numbers, what I'm seeing here. Can we be a little more flexible and just state the case of, you know what, right now, the way I see it, we're going to open up the schools. But why can't we be a little more definitive in that approach? Districts need so much time for preparation. Parents have to prepare as well. There's jobs on the line for them. There's a way to have to get kids somewhere. I, I thought maybe there could be a little bit of uh, a little bit of flexibility. I didn't see it. What was your take on all that? Yeah, listen, I'm, I've been watching the governors from all across the country, including being governor of New York State, through uh, what we've just experienced these last few months. It's it's not an easy job. So with what I'm about to say, I'm you know n- not claiming that you know this is all. It, is a very simple task, but what I would be doing right now is telling school districts to plan to be open at the start of the year. Uh, and that means identifying what kind of personal protective equipment you need. If you're assessing uh, any particular issues in any school districts with uh, the, the the air and um, you know the, the class size, does
doesn't mean that every school district is going to have an issue. I remember when I was in the state Senate visiting a sixth grade uh, at Central Islip School District where there are over 40 kids in each of the class. And when one kid has to go to the bathroom, three other kids had to get up. This is a larger problem if you want to just talk about the quality of education. But anyway, you start leaning into it now to identify how can you be best prepared to be open at the start of the academic year. And then you know, you, maybe you don't have to state that it's a it's a certainty. You could let the school districts know that we're going to continue to monitor the numbers, but our goal is to be open at the start of the school year. Because what I'm concerned about with the message that's that's going out right now that uh, there there may be a decision here around the beginning of August is let's say the decision at the beginning of August is we're going to open at the start of the school year. Now you just lost an entire month where everyone could be leaning into identifying you know, any of their needs and getting the max preparation. By the way, and that also includes not just the administrators of school districts but also communicating down to teachers. Let's have teachers right now be thinking about their own individual classrooms and you know, and sharing advice and feedback and good comms. And that also can include the possibility, and hopefully this doesn't come to it, but the possibility if the state does decide on some type of distance learning that we're providing the max education to kids in this whole new setting. And also thinking that you know, in some school districts, maybe every kid in that classroom is well-connected on technology and some other school district, you know, practically none of the kids in the classroom are well-connected in the necessary technology. Um, so identify that as well. So I, I, to, to your point, I would echo it and, and just you know, add a couple of those extra points that we should be using July to be preparing to be open uh, while also leaning in you know, to other contingencies as opposed to being this wait-and-see attitude, which might result in school districts and teachers kind of taking too much of July off from that standpoint. Instead of the caution line, I would have I would have given a little bit of a green light there. I, I think it's important for people to at least give give somebody a silver lining here. Looking ahead, please. Uh, let's not have a, a you know just twisting for the next uh, you know who knows month or so. Well, right. Well, can't, yeah. Can't. Jay, and, that, and that, that's my point. I, I would I would say that we should be planning to be open at the start of the school year. And you know, you can say we'll monitor numbers. But let's plan to be open. Uh, you know, and, and at the same time, I do think that um, you, th- there's a, a new aspect of life that, that happened in our country where, by the way, kids can, can study after, even once you go back to school. The use of video technology right now, the ability for kids to be you know, studying and doing homework, and, and, and whether it's with you know, adults, mentors, teachers, its fellow classmates. You know, there are ways through technology to advance kids' learning even once they go back. Zelda with us. I'm going to do a rapid fire with you, sir. You know, I'll tell you, 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 you did a, you've done a tremendous job with businesses. I, and I know that. I got so many people who call me. You've helped. You, you know, the, the whole thing with the Treasury Secretary. You pulled strings. So important to have those ties and everything else. Where are you at right now with businesses on the island? A lot of them have struggled. A lot of them have got those loans. Maybe another one coming down the pike. What do you hear? What do you see? Capitol Hill and everything else. More dollars could be needed, Congressman. Where are we at with the with the uh, with the stimulus uh, as far as possible possible new ones coming down the pike here? Primarily three pots of money. The first one, emergency declaration for the state of New York through the Small Business Administration, allowed our local businesses to. Apply apply for emergency injury disaster loans. Then after that, 
the Paycheck Protection Program gets created. You and I having a conversation when that first tranche was going, that money was going fast. There were too many banks falling on their face. Others were doing a good job. The average loan size was too high, and I was getting these stories of people applying but not getting anywhere. Second tranche of money comes, and I'm getting these stories of mass success of, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was told that uh, by the mayor of the village of Patchogue that the, the downtowns were filled with businesses getting money from that second tranche. Banks were doing a better job, average loan size drastically less. Um, and then the third piece is that the Federal Reserve, working with the Department of Treasury, just this week, at the beginning of the week, uh, came out with a Main Street lending facility. That's what's called allowing uh, businesses to have another way to be applying for loans to get through this. So those are the three main ways that there's help from the federal government. The other piece is the extended enhanced unemployment insurance expires this month. I'm hearing from business owners who are saying they're having trouble getting some of their employees to come back to work because they're actually getting paid $600 more than they would be getting paid at work to stay at home. So that's part of the debate in Congress. There is talk about there being another coronavirus response bill at some point this month. Uh, those negotiations are underway and uh, you know we'll see what comes out of it. But, you know, as far as helping the businesses, you know, just yesterday I joined Supervisor Romaine and the Brookhaven Town Board passing out to leaders of chambers of commerce from all across Brookhaven, a mass that uh, we were able to secure for the town. It, it's a team effort. Um, I remember, you know, speaking to you not that long ago, you know, you asked me about the, the nursing home situation, for example, in New York. And, and I said, you know, that, that was right when the governor first acknowledged it. And I said, he's, you know, he's asking for, you know, he, he's saying that he's going to address it. But, you know, unfortunately, updates since you and I talked about it, it's actually been, you know, pretty politicized with the state trying to unsuccessfully investigate it itself, lack of accountability, uh, interesting lack of progress on that one. So, I mean, that's an alibi on a past conversation you and I had, uh, which was a little disappointing. But otherwise, I got to say, everyone uh, is working together really well throughout this entire process. I've worked closely with the county executive um, on, on PPE, uh, on a municipal liquidity facility. Again, not Republican or Democrat, conservative, liberal. You know, we're just, we're all Long Islanders here, and we have to help each other through this. 100%. No question. Can't have any of that political nonsense. And you've done a great job, really. I, I got to tell you, because I get so many people tell me some of the stuff you've done. Uh, only a couple of minutes. You know, the Supreme Court stuff, uh, blocking House Democrats from accessing the president's financial records, but ruled, I guess he's not immune to a subpoena for his financial document documents from a, a New York prosecutor. What do you what do you think of the SCOTUS situations that have occurred the last couple of weeks? We've seen kind of a roller coaster type deal. And what one would say to themselves, well, what why? Why shouldn't the president release the Dawn records already? Uh, maybe there's something to hide or whatnot, but it certainly presents something like that in one's mindset. Give me your feeling on that and what happened with SCOTUS yesterday, sir. Yeah, as far as the SCOTUS decision yesterday as it relates to the, the tax returns uh, and the other decision as well that you uh, pointed out, neither case is resolved. So it was interesting watching uh, you know different sides claiming you know victory and, and, and loss for their opposition. Uh, it really looked more like the Supreme Court was not trying to have any final say on any of it. You know, the standpoint of congressional subpoenas, congressional has, Congress has an important oversight role, but you have to state a legitimate legislative purpose. And, you, you know, you can't, you know, for, let's say you're trying to investigate Trump-Russia collusion. And because of that, I want every member of the Trump 
family to give us every record of every credit card swipe. I mean, really? I mean, the the overbroad approach to it, and we can't even with a straight face claim that you know we're doing this for legitimate legislative purposes, as if we're crafting bills based off of. This went so much further than than tax return. And then you have you know, the local investigation as well, which is a different dynamic and a different branch of government. That goes down. The president can still defend himself. Uh, the Supreme Court just ruled on one, you know, one key aspect of that case you know, as it relates to absolute immunity. So um, neither case is resolved. I don't know if there's going to be any type of progress or resolution on either case between now and the, uh, the election. Interesting thing about congressional subpoenas is once you get to the end of 2020, the subpoenas are dead anyway and the cases become moot. So we'll see what happens between now and the end of the year. But y- yesterday really wasn't resolution one way or the other. So listen, I promise to get you out and I will. 8-14 uh, and change. Can't thank you enough. We'll talk soon. How's that? I look forward to it. Thank you, Congressman. Congressman Lee Zeldin, ladies and gentlemen. I had to get him out by 8-15. It was accentuated to me on a number of fronts. So uh, if that's, and there's still a lot of time. T- listen, let me just say this. I'll, I'll say this about the way. And I, I wanted to do some follow-ups and whatnot. We just don't have the time. Uh, but, you know, at, at this point in time, you know, to have the corporate answer uh, come into play where, you know what, it's still being audited. And when the audit's done, uh, it'll it'll be released. It'll release. I don't see it. How long does an audit take, even that of the likes of Donald Trump? Now, listen, is it important for financial records to disclose? I think it is. I think it is. Now, you could say it's a witch hunt, it's a hoax and everything else, but I, I just think it's important that if you're lining up for that position of the President of the United States, I think there is a right to know exactly what goes on. That's all. Maybe there's a dealing or two with somebody around the world. Maybe it has ramifications on relationships. You know, it, it's just should be out there. Everything should be out there. If you're running for the position, everything should be out there. That's really what it is. And if you got nothing to hide, you throw it out. Everybody releases a text. Everybody. And that should be the case. And I get it. There's a legalese involved here and everything else. I understand it. It's tricky, but it's just been a long time for this.